This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Maisie, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, it's a new day. The weather outside here in Phoenix getting a little cooler. It was nice this morning. I went outside to sit with my son before he went to school, and it felt it felt nice. It was a nice morning, and what a blessing from the Lord. Well, um, I apologize. I don't have uh, any other speakers with me again today. I, I sent some messages out. I never got a response back. So let's go ahead and continue in looking at the book of Revelation. Because uh, the things going on in politics, it's pro- we're probably just tired of hearing about it. We want something more edifying and uplifting. So let's just look at God's Word. We will get back into more of a, what the world thinks on things and how the Christian should respond. I think that's good for us. But it's also good to just relax, set our mind. On things above. Revelation chapter 5 has 14 verses. I know we looked at a few of the first verses of last week, but let's go ahead and do it from the beginning anyway. So let's start by reading verses 1 through 5, Revelation 5. He says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, Sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Verse 1, the word book, there's literally a scroll. It's written inside and on the back, indicating nothing can be added to it. It is the full mind and heart of God here. And it's got seals on it. Seals are, you know, just, uh, you may see those old movies where they pour a little wax and they put a seal on it to seal a letter. And the seal uh, indicates that only those who have the authority can open it. It's uh, sealed by a certain authority and only those who have the, the right or the authority to open it may do so. That's happening here. So it's sealed up with those seven seals. So the contents are hidden, uh, but with the proper authority that could be open and the re- uh, contents can be revealed. Um, the number seven denotes the number of God, three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the number of the earth. And so here it represents God's complete will for earth, for man on earth probably. It is his complete will. So it represents all that God has in mind for his creation. 
This would include not only the concept of man's redemption in Christ, but also what is to come. So, man, wouldn't you want to know this? Yeah, but it's sealed up. And then you have a strong angel. Uh, some people think that this might be Michael. Uh, maybe. We don't know. It just says strong angel. And he has that question, you know, who's worthy? Who's worthy to open, open this book? Who has the authority to reveal what God has in mind for the earth? <clears throat> and they look, verse 3, no one in heaven, no created angelic host of spiritual being up there, none can have the authority. On the earth, no living human has authority. Under the earth, the Hadean realm of the departed spirits, nope, no one there. No one's worthy to open, to look, seems to point at the revealing of the contents, who among God's creation has insight into the plans of God. No created being knows the mind of God unless it is revealed to him. And so verse 4, John weeps. He shows great disappointment and grief because it appears that God's will, what he has in mind for man, is going to remain hidden. What are we going to do? So one of the elders, we don't know who, difficult to say, there's 24 of these guys, both from the old patriarchs and New Testament apostles, points us to, to Christ as the, this elder does. And one of them comes forth uh, to John. Uh, he says, hey, I got something I need to tell you. The lion that is from the tribe of Judah, obviously a messianic description here uh, of the elders. He says, uh, uh, you know, in Genesis 49, it's called, Judah's called the lion's whelp. And he's given the promise that the scepter is going to not depart from him. So Jesus is of the tribe here. Another example, that's Hebrews 7.14. He's of the root of David. Again, another clear indication. This is messianic. This is talking about the Messiah. Jesus is descended from David. He's going to overcome. Speaks of victory. The ultimate winning at Calvary. His presence in the heavenly throne room indicates his victory. If defeated, he would have remained in the grave. But he overcame. Law by keeping it perfectly. Sin uh, by refusing. He, re, uh, uh, he refused sin by refusing Satan's temptations and death by means of the resurrection. And these are the enemies and the hindrances of, of us, man, in our relationship with God. And this victory of Jesus and the removal of human obstacles is what God had in mind from the very beginning. His defeat would have disqualified him from being able to reveal the mind of God. His victory shows that he is the only one worthy or capable of revealing God's eternal purpose. Great things, isn't it? Man, what a I love this chapter. And it just dawned on me, if you don't know, we've been working through a Revelation here and there, and so if you want to catch up where, where we're at, if you want to go back and get the introduction and the other chapters, go on to our website, www.nvcoc.net. Click on that radio mic. You'll find this, this particular uh, passage on Revelation 5. You'll find all the other ones. We've been doing it by chapter uh, on that same uh, website. 
Also, we have other things. We talked about gun control. We talked about what the Bible has to say about that. What does the Bible say about revolution as well? We look at Romans 13 and 14. Great stuff. Good things to know and to study about and to think about what is God's mind and heart on the things of gun control or the things of abortion. A whole host of many other topics that we look at. All that can be found on our website. Please take a look at that, www.nvcoc.net. Click on that radio mic. Uh, I'll be posting these things on my Facebook page as well, Chris Macy, as well as the, the Facebook page for the radio program, Redeeming the Time. I'd love to hear your comments on those. and li- I'd like to hear anything you might have to say. And, or if you have a question you'd like me to answer here on the webs- uh, on the radio program, Let's do that. So we just looked at chapter 5 of Revelation 1 through 5. We're going to move forward looking at verses 6 through 10 next. And let's start by reading the passage. Paul, or Paul, John writes, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints." And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, uh, you know, with your blood from every men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Apologize. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Okay, <clears throat> let's start there with verse 6. A whole, a whole lot is spoken of here. Uh, it says between, literally in the middle, or you could translate this word between as in the midst of the throne, <clears throat> he sees a lamb standing. The figure of lamb brings the mind, the sacrificial aspect of the Messiah, and the gentleness of his nature. He's at, it says, as if slain. As if slain. That points us to the cross. But note, he's standing. Thought to have been slain, but in reality, robbed the grave of its victory, and now stands as one who has overcome. Now, the rest of the description here of the lamb, it sounds grotesque, doesn't it? I mean, this sounds disgusting. The seven horns, seven eyes, and looks like he's dead. Sounds scary. Don't forget, this is a vision. This is a picture to help us see reality. This isn't reality, what he's describing, but it's going to give us information to help us see a whole host of things. Like, for example, as if slain, that's pointing to the cross. He has seven horns. Um, It is an image of power and strength. 
Look at how the Old Testament uses the horn in passages like 1 Samuel 2.10 and Deuteronomy 33.17. The horn is a symbol of power. Seven, uh, all powerful in matters relating to earth, exhibiting God's power. That's why it's sevens used here. God's power given to him to be used on earth. That's what he's talking about. Seven eyes. Again, holy, the Holy Spirit comes to mind here. Uh, we, think, we see that from chapter 1, verse 4, chapter 5, verse 5. And here, this, the eyes indicates all-seeing or complete insight into the mind of God. The Spirit being the mind and heart of God. Uh, it makes us think of uh, 1 Corinthians 2.11. Christ possesses, can, can we use such an expression, Christ expresses this Spirit of God. Again, seven denotes the full and complete knowledge of the divine insight as it relates to man. And he sent out into all the earth the coming of the Holy Spirit in revealing God's will to men. See John 14 for that. Again, that's the Holy Spirit here isn't the third person of the Godhead. It's the power of God going forth. He's talking about, uh, I think, the... The, uh, uh, excuse me, it's talking about the miraculous going to the apostles and then to the fledgling church in the beginning. I think that's what he's speaking of here. He just got the full will of God. This is, this is a picture in my mind. When Jesus had just overcame the victory, he came up or ascended to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. Now he sends forth the, the helper, the spirit of truth, to the apostles who will also lay hands on others who will receive it. But then no one else is going to get it once the apostles die. And then when those folks who did receive it die off, it's gone. So it's not talking about something that we're all going to receive. That's verse 6. Verse 7. This verse indicates that Christ is the one who reveals the will of God for man. Everything God has been up to from the creation forward until the last day is revealed in Christ. It was hidden from man until Christ came and revealed God's eternal purpose for us. Prophets of old, they they wanted to know about that, right? 1 Peter 1, verses 10 and 11. Angels, they longed to look into this. 1 Peter 1, 12. Again, it shows that they did not have authority to open the scroll, the book. But they didn't have the insight into the mind of God. Only Jesus was worthy to reveal this to us. Verse 8. Now the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures render the same homage to the Lamb as that given to the one on the throne from chapter 4. He is worthy of the worship. Jesus is God. He's also not a created being because the creation wasn't worthy. So all those who say that Jesus was a creation and he has a beginning, finite beginning point, they're wrong. Or a definite beginning point, they're wrong. He is not a created being. He's God. You see the harp being mentioned here. Uh, That's just indicate, remember it's vision, it's symbolism, It indicates joyful praise. Incense indicates prayers of the saints. 
and these represent the worship given to God. Now, why do the living creatures and the elders have them? Human beings are unworthy to approach God because of their sins. God only accepts the worship and prayers of men because of the victory of the Lamb. The elders, representing the Old Testament patriarchs and the New Testament apostles, now find confidence to bring these before God through the Lamb. Now they are acceptable to God. Without Christ's sacrifice, no man could have access to the throne of God. At verse 9, they sing a new song, new because of its content. It is a song of genuine redemption. Purchase is used here. That means to buy them out of debt. Note the price. Thy blood. Let me read verse 9. Again, that's the one I butchered when I was doing the reading. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So there's the blood. That's the purchase price. And he was breaks the seals. Jesus reveals to us what's in the scroll, what's in the book, the contents of it. No one else could do this. He's going to show us the mind and heart of God. That makes me think of Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Um, For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. You can't know unless you read the word of Christ, who reveals to us the mind and the heart of of God. Verse 10. Made them to be a kingdom. Now they are a part of God's kingdom. It is not some future reign uh, on earth, but this is a present reign on earth. Uh, th- think of Colossians 1, 12, 13, and 14. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 as well. Also, here in verse 10 of Revelation 5, note the expression, will reign on earth. That's the New American Standard Version. It should not be construed as some earthly millennial kingdom to arrive when Jesus returns. There is manuscript variance here, and the various translations reflect this. Uh, The American Standard, 1901, uses the term reign in the present tense. The King James uses will reign, future tense. All of Scripture indicates that the kingdom... Jesus preached is spiritual, not physical. John 18.36 And it now exists. It consists of the Lord's people. That's the kingdom. It's not going to be something that's going to happen in some weird, literal, thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. The kingdom's already here. If you've been baptized into Christ and you're living the faithful Christian life, you are in the kingdom already. It's spiritual. You're not out of this world. You may live here, but you are now an ambassador for Christ. So he's made them to be a kingdom. Priests is used here. Just as Christians are already in the Lord's kingdom, we are also priests. A holy priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 5. A royal priesthood, verse 9 there as well. We are, as Paul calls himself, ambassadors for Christ. I like that. I like calling myself an ambassador. And I think that's okay for us to do because that's what we are supposed to do. If you're an ambassador to another country, 
What that means is you may be living in another country. For example, we have ambassadors from all over the world. They're not citizens of the United States. They're citizens of another country. They may live here, but they're not citizens of this country. But what they want to do is tell folks about their country, how great it is. They want you to come check it out, come visit, come live there, whatever it might be. That's what we're doing. We, we may be here, we may be living here on this earth, but we're not citizens of this world. And we're telling people about a greater, better kingdom. We want everyone to understand what it's all about, bring the, the, the reality of it. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Good things. All right, verses 11 to the end of the chapter. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads, and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them, I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Wow. That's amazing. Many angels, different than the living creatures, the heavenly host, ministering spirits, Hebrews 1.14. You got that term myriads, maybe defined as as 10,000, but the expression indicates that the heavenly host is too numerous to count. Again, Hebrews 12.22, Daniel 7.10 mentions the same things. Now in verse 12, note that in chapter 4, God is honored as creator with a threefold praise of glory and honor and power. Yet here, the Lamb, as Redeemer, receives a seven-fold praise. He's got seven. Here they are. It's power. That's omnipotence. Uh, ab- power above all. The power of God is what that is. Riches. All that is, va- is valuable is in Him. We may think gold and precious gems and all these things of this world is valuable, but when we die, what good is it? The only thing that's going to be worthwhile to us what we have in Christ. That's what's valuable. Wisdom, number three. That's divine insight. Might, number four. Strength, sufficient to overcome all enemies. Honor, number five. Revered above others. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, honor, number five. Revered above others. Then number six, glory. Brightness, light, splendor uh, in which God dwells. The blessing, number seven, from our word eulogy, signifying praise. Now, verse 13. In this verse, the whole created order is heard praising equally the one who sits on the throne and the Lamb. Is there any human worthy to receive the kind of praise that the Lamb receives? No. 
Only the Son of God can be. Thus acclaimed as God, the Father is praised. This reminds us, reminds me, Psalm 148. We actually sing that song, Look It Up. It calls for everyone and everything created by God to render him praise. Verse 14. Amen. Ascribes approval or uh, great agreement. And with the addition of the living creatures and elders and all creation is now involved in giving praise to them. Remember, the book of Revelation is intended to be a book of encouragement for those under persecution. It's letting them know Jesus did not die and stay in the grave. He's in heaven. He's, he's actively working on our part. He knows everything. He has all power. He has all wisdom. He knows it all. Don't worry. He's there. And he's working on your behalf. And we're going to continue to see that throughout the book of Revelation. Now again, please visit our website, www.nvcoc.net. Click on that radio mic. You'll find this passage uh, that we looked at, Revelation chapter 5. All the others, as well as an introduction. I'm going to have those posted up there for you. They're already there. So I I encourage you to take a look at that. Go to our uh, Facebook page. I'm pretty sure you can click on that from the website. If not, I'll make sure it gets up there. And comment on these. I'm going to put be posting these up there on our website, Redeeming the Time, our Facebook page, Redeeming the Time. And um, I want you. To, I would love to hear your comments about the, the program. Any questions you might have, something that uh, maybe I've already looked at that I didn't uh, deal with, you've got a question on, I want to hear it. There's no bad questions. I'll answer it on the air. I won't name you if you don't want me to, but if you don't say so, I might throw in your name, your first name, but I won't call you out or anything like that. But I do want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear what you think about the program. Are we moving in a good direction? Is there something you need to know about? Let me know, folks. And remember, make the most of every opportunity. Redeem the time. God is always putting those opportunities before us, and we need to make the most of it. And may the Lord bless us with the time to to do that. Bless us with the time to recognize our faults and and fix them while we still can and have those opportunities. And that he may bless us in our walk, that we may be good light and salt to this world, that we may be ambassadors for Christ. May he bless you in what you do, as long as we do it, in the Lord and to his glory. Amen. Take care. Sitting up to sweep away till she'll dawn the better day. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.